Hello everybody, welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Um, right before I get to the story, the semi-regular reminder, check out my Patreon because you can subscribe on Patreon, you can support me on Patreon for like a dollar a month or five dollars a month and get extra perks like advanced access to each episode and my side notes in which I write down thoughts about every episode and the five dollar subscribers get a bonus episode every month, which isn't a story. It's usually um, more stuff about the stories or or stuff. I, I have I have um I have some interesting stuff planned maybe. Um, anyway, uh, commercial over. Um, our story today picks up at the end of the last episode in which Elijah called down fire from heaven. You remember the story ends, Elijah the prophet had been on the mountain. He was hiding in a cave after fleeing from his life from the evil queen Jezebel. He was tired and lonely and feeling hopeless, like he was the only one doing the work that needed to be done, and he didn't know how much longer he could keep on going. The Lord told him to stand in the Lord's presence on the mountain. There came a whirlwind, but the Lord was not in the whirlwind. And after the whirlwind, there came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Then there was a still small whisper, and Elijah left his cave to stand in the Lord's presence and covered his faith, face with his, his cloak out of respect. Sorry, I'm being a little more than usual today. Elijah told the Lord God how hard he was working and how afraid he was that he was the last one left doing good and following the Lord God. And what the Lord's reply amounted to was that Elijah wouldn't be the last one left, that he would appoint a man called Elisha to be the next prophet in his place. And that's where our story ended last time. After that, Elijah heads down the mountain and he found Elisha. (laughs) That's a little tricky. I'm going to try to do my best on that. But Elijah and Elisha, like my writing teacher would say, not to have two characters with names that similar because it gets confusing. Anyway, hopefully we can keep it straight. Elijah's the older one. Elisha's the younger one. Elisha was working for his family, plowing a field with a team of oxen pulling his plow behind 11 other teams of oxen and workers. And Elijah came alongside him, took off his cloak, picture it like a big billowing cape like Gandalf wears maybe, Um, And Elijah put the cloak over Elisha's shoulders, and that was the call. Elisha knew what that meant. It meant he was expected to follow Elijah. He was almost ready to drop everything and follow him, but he said, uh, Please let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll follow you. And Elijah replied what basically meant, Go then and come back. I won't stop you. I've done my part here. Elijah's part was the call. There are some stories in the Bible and in a lot of other myths and fairy tales where it's considered wrong for a person to turn back from the call even a little, but this isn't one of those stories, surprisingly enough. So Elisha stopped plowing, killed his oxen, and served them for dinner, so he wouldn't be able to easily return to his job, said goodbye to his parents, and followed Elijah. Uh, The next time Elijah showed up in Israel, it was to foretell the death of King Ahab. King Ahab and Queen Jezebel had been up to their evil royalty shtick again. Here's what happened. A man named Naboth owned a nice vineyard right next to the royal palace in Samaria, the capital city. And Ahab really wanted that vineyard so he could turn it into a vegetable garden. He told Naboth that Naboth could have another better vineyard or a lot of money. But Naboth had inherited the land from his father and he refused to sell or trade or give away the vineyard. So Ahab, the king went home all grumpy and irritable and laid down in bed and wouldn't face anyone or eat any food. He just faced the wall, 
slumped over, being sad. Um, this is what sometimes parents call pouting because he didn't get his way. Perhaps you've done it. I actually have, but it's not very mm, a good look for a king. So uh, his wife, Queen Jezebel, the woman who got everyone to follow the other god Baal, you remember, asked why he was so grumpy, and he told her it's because Naboth said he'd never sell me the vineyard. Man. So Jezebel told him, get up, rule the country, eat some food, and be happy. I'll get you that vineyard. So she sent a message to the city leaders of Samaria and told them to hire two wicked men to agree to tell lies about Naboth in front of everyone. It had to be two people because the law required at least two witnesses uh, to try to make false testimony more difficult. But in this case, they just found two men willing to lie. They said Naboth had said evil things about God and the king, which is really ironic because Jezebel and the leaders helping her don't even care about that God. And then everyone believed that Naboth had said evil things about God, so they killed him outside the city gates to punish him because they believed the story. And then the city leaders sent a message to Jezebel saying Naboth is dead, and Jezebel told King Ahab that Naboth was dead, and King Ahab took over the vineyard. Um, And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the prophet, go get up and go meet Ahab, king of Israel. You'll find him in Samaria and Naboth's vineyard. Tell him I know what he did. Tell him he's going to die and the dogs will lick his blood off the ground in the same place where they licked Naboth's blood off the ground. So Elijah went to see Ahab in the stolen vineyard. Ahab said, you have caught me, my enemy. Elijah delivered the message and more. He told Ahab that the Lord God was very angry at him, that every male person in Ahab's household would die and his family line would end because no one has ever made the Lord God as angry as Ahab has. And then Ahab was super sad. And he put on like scratchy clothes, especially for mourning. And um, he wouldn't eat again and he walked around looking really sad and downcast and he had basically one diplomatic strategy and that's pouting and he's using it to the best of his ability here and then the lord god sees this he sees elijah mourning like he's so sad about what he did or so sad about the punishment and he said to elijah the lord said to elijah have you seen how humble ahab is being i guess i'll wait and bring the promised disaster to his house later in the day of his son after Ahab dies. Uh, Anyway, but Ahab's still going to die. So eventually there was a big battle. Judah and Israel were united um, and had the same king back when David was king, but now they're two two separate countries. But they were still like related, and the two kings, King Jehoshaphat of Judah and King Ahab of Israel, decided they would team up against a common enemy and go into battle together, to reclaim this city called Ramoth Gilead that the king of Aram had won from one in a battle a few years ago. They decided they want it back. But first King Jehoshaphat of Judah wanted to ask Ahab what the Lord's will is. So the king of Israel gathered the prophets, like 400 prophets. Now, if you remember, um, Jezebel, his wife, had destroyed most of the prophets of the Lord, and Elijah had destroyed the vast majority of the prophets of Baal. So these are like generic store brand prophets, I guess, who are just the prophets who are going to try to tell what's going to happen, but they're not specifically the Lord's prophets or Baal's prophets. And uh, King Ahab asked them, should I go and retake Ramoth Gilead or should I let it be? And all 400 of them said, march up, the Lord will hand it over to you. 
But the other king, Jehoshaphat, doesn't trust these generic prophets. And he says, isn't there a prophet of the Lord God here anymore? Let's ask him. And King Ahab says, uh, there is still one man who can ask the Lord. It's not Elijah. It's actually a different guy. There's still one man who can ask the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, only disaster. He's Micaiah. And Jehoshaphat is like scandalized that Ahab would say that about a prophet of the Lord. Um, and he has King Ahab sent from Micaiah. So um, there's King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah clothed in their royal robes, sitting on two royal thrones at the entrance of the city gates. Um, and, and all the 400 prophets were arranged in front of them, prophesying all this really exciting, positive stuff about how successful they're going to be. And one of the prophets named Zedekiah had made these iron horns, like the horns a bull would grow, and presented them dramatically and said, The Lord says you will gore your enemies with these until they are finished off. And all the other prophets were prophesying the same. March up to Ramoth Gilead and succeed. The Lord will hand it over to the king. And the messenger who went to get Micaiah told him, Hey, look, all of the words of the prophets are unanimously in favor of the king. So go along with it. Speak favorably. And Micaiah says, I'll say whatever the Lord tells me to say. So he went to the king and the king asked him, Micaiah, should we go to Ramoth Gilead for war or should we refrain? And Micaiah said, march up and succeed. The Lord will hand it over to the king. The Bible doesn't specify that tone, but um, I don't know. I think it fits. Because Ahab is really skeptical because this is like Micaiah. And he's like, uh, how many times must I make you promise not to tell me anything but the truth? So Micaiah said, the truth is, I saw Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, they have no one to rule them. Let them return home in peace. So then King Ahab said to King Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you he never promised, proph prophesied anything good about me, but only disaster? Um... Because there really is no pleasing some people. And then Micaiah said, Hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the heavenly armies were standing by him. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab to march to his death at Ramoth Gilead? And lots of different spirits had ideas. And one said, I will do it. And the Lord God asked him, How? And the spirit said, I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouths of all the prophets. And then the Lord God said, that'll work. Go do that. And Micaiah continued, you see, the Lord has got all these prophets to lie, but the Lord is actually going to make disaster happen. Then Zedekiah, the dramatic prophet with the bullhorns, slapped Micaiah in the face and said, did the spirit of the Lord leave me and start talking to you instead? And Micaiah replied ominously, you will find out soon. Then King Ahab of Israel said, put this guy Micaiah in prison and feed him only bread and water till I come back home safe. But Micaiah said, if you do return safely, I'm not a real prophet of the Lord. Then Ahab was like, well, we'll still go to battle, but he's going to take a precaution. He told Jehoshaphat to go into battle in royal attire, but he said that he, Ahab, would be in disguise rather than leading the army dressed in his royal army armor. <laughs> rather than leading dressed in his royal armor. This is presumably because he didn't want to be targeted because Micaiah had said he would die and also Elijah had said he would die, but not when. 
Meanwhile, their enemy had ordered all his chariot commanders, don't fight with anyone but the king of Israel. At first, they thought Jehoshaphat was the king of Israel, since he looked like a king, but he cried out and they realized he was not the king of Israel. It doesn't actually say what he said, but maybe it was, I'm not the king of Israel! And they're all like, oh, well, um, okay, so they turned back from chasing him. Then they didn't know where the king was. But one man in the enemy army, in the king of Aram's army, one man drew his bow without taking special aim, and he shot an arrow, which just so happened to strike the king of Israel right between the joints of his armor and the chest. And then he bled a whole lot and died. And they brought him in his chariot back to Samaria. And then somebody washed his chariot in the pool outside the city gates and sorry it's really gross but the dogs licked up some of the blood which is super super gross but it fulfills the prophecy and so ahab the wicked king of israel died and his son ahaziah became the next king well ahaziah managed to hurt himself by falling out of a window which is not a very dignified way for a king to become injured he sent messengers to a different country, Ekron, to ask their god if he would recover from his injuries. That god was called Beelzebub, or the Lord of the Flies. But God told Elijah that the messengers were going, and Elijah went to meet them. He asked them, is it because there's no god in Israel that you're going to ask questions of the Lord of the Flies in some other country? Therefore, this is what the Lord God says to tell the king, you will not recover, you will certainly die. Then Elijah left and the messengers went back. And um, King Ahaziah was like, why are you back already? How could you have gone that fast? So they repeated the message. You will not recover. You will certainly die. And he's like, what man told you this? And, and they told him that it was a hairy man with a leather belt around his waist. And Ahaziah knew that was Elijah who had caused so much trouble for his dad. So he has sent a captain with 50 armored men to Elijah who was sitting on the top of a hill. Man of God, the king tells you to come down. Elijah replied, if I am a man of God, then may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And like fire from heaven is like Elijah's thing. So it did. Then the king sent another captain with another 50 armed men. They approached Elijah on the hill and this captain said, man of God, the king tells you to come down immediately. I love the repetition with a little change here. Um, and Elijah says, if I am a man of God, may fire consume you and your men. So fire came down from heaven again. Well, uh, apparently the king has plenty more captains of 50 men. So he just sends another group. The captain with his 50 men approached Elijah on the hill. Now this leader knows what happened to the other groups. This man knelt before Elijah and said, Please, man of God, let my life and the lives of these 50 men be precious to you, and don't kill us with fire from heaven. And the Lord God told Elijah, Don't be afraid, you can go with this one. So the captain took Elijah to the king, and um, it's really boring because he just gives the same message. You won't recover, you will die. And then shortly after, Ahaziah died. And since he was really young and had no children, his younger brother Joram, the next son of Ahab, became king. Uh, by now, Elijah had been around a good while, and it was time for his story to end. Elijah and Elisha were traveling from a city called Gilgal, and Elijah told Elijah, Stay here, the Lord is sending me to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As long as the Lord lives, and as long as you yourself live, I won't leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came to Elijah, Elisha, sorry, and they said, do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? 
And he said, yes, I know. Be quiet. Then Elijah said, Elisha, stay here. The Lord is sending me to Jericho. But Elisha replied, as long as the Lord lives and as long as you yourself live, I won't leave you. So they went down to Jericho. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came to Jericho and they said to Elisha, do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And Elisha said, yes, I know. Be quiet. And then Elijah said, Elisha, stay here. The Lord is sending me to the Jordan River. But Elisha replies, replied, as long as the Lord lives and as long as you yourself live, I won't leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men from the sons of the prophets came and stood watching them from a distance while Elijah and Elisha stood by the Jordan River. Elijah took off his cloak, picture it like a cape, and he rolled it up and struck the water. Snap! Like when you snap a beach towel. And when he struck the water, they parted to the right and to the left, and Elijah and Elisha crossed the river, walking on dry ground. After they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before the Lord takes me away. So Elisha said, Please let me be twice as powerful as you are. Elijah said, You've asked for something difficult. If you see me being taken from you, you'll have that. But if you don't see me, you won't. And as they continued walking and they continued talking, a chariot made of fire, pulled by horses made of fire, suddenly appeared and separated the two of them. And the chariot carried Elijah up into heaven in the whirlwind. And as Elisha watched, he kept crying out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And no one ever saw Elijah again. And even though Elisha had known this coming, he was upset. And he ripped his shirt in half. And he picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen off of him. And he walked back and stood on the bank of the Jordan River. Then he lifted the cloak Elijah had dropped. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He asked as he struck the waters with the cloak. And the waters parted to the right and the left. And Elisha crossed over on dry ground. When the sons of the prophets from Jericho, who had been standing there facing the Jordan, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha, which meant they recognized that Elisha had the power Elijah used to have. Then they said, There are fifty strong men here. Please let them go and search for Elijah. Maybe the spirit of the Lord carried him away and put him on a mountain or dropped him in a valley. But Elisha said, Don't send him. Don't send them. They're not going to find anything. But they kept asking and saying, Please send them until it got kind of embarrassing to refuse. So he said, okay, send them. So they sent 50 men who spent three days looking in the mountains, hills, and valleys around there, but they did not find Elijah. And Elisha said when they came back, I told you, you wouldn't find him. Then the men of the city said to Elisha, sir, you can see that even though the city's location is really good, the water here is bad and the land doesn't grow much food. Elisha replied, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. And after they had brought him that, he went out to the spring of water by the city and threw the salt in it and said, the Lord says I've healed this water. No longer will death result from it and it will help the land grow more food. And the water remains healthy to this very day. At least that's how the story goes. But it was written like thousands of years ago anyway. Then Elisha left Jericho and went back up to Bethel, and as he was walking, some young men harassed him and called him a baldy, like, because he, he, he was losing his hair, so they called him baldy, baldy. So he cursed them in the name of the Lord, and bears came out and attacked them. Uh, side note, old church guys who are going bald really love this story. 
Um, I've never heard anyone call them a baldy anyway, but if they did, they would hear about this story and be threatened with bears. Um, so that's the thing. Anyway, after all this happened, Elijah, <laughs> Elisha, Elisha, my tongue is confused. Elisha went back to Samaria where the king of Israel lived. Since Ahab's son Ahaziah had died, Ahab's other son Joram was king. And he was pretty evil according to what the Lord thought was evil, but not like as evil as Ahab and Jezebel. So um, anyway, in the, in the wake of the death of King Ahab, in the aftermath, the king of Moab, a different country that, that Ahab, I mean, that Israel was kind of in charge of them at the time, although in other time periods, Moab's kind of been in charge of Israel. They've kind of been ruling them. So um, Moab decided to start fighting Israel. So King Joram of Israel asked King Jehoshaphat of Judah to fight with him, and they also teamed up with his other king, the king of Edom. And um, Jehoshaphat asked, which way should we go to get to the battle? And Joram said, oh, we'll just go through the wilderness of Edom. And I don't know, like, I don't think it was that far, but they took an indirect road, either through bad planning or bad navigation. It's not clear. And they had been on the road for seven days and they ran out of water for the men and the animals. And the king of Israel was like, we are definitely going to lose to Moab because um, we're going to be all dehydrated. But Jehoshaphat said, isn't there a prophet of the Lord here or something? Let's ask the Lord what we should do through this prophet. And one of the servants of the king said, oh, Elisha, who used to be the servant of Elijah, is here. And Jehoshaphat said, oh, yeah, I've heard the Lord's words are with him. So they went to Elisha. And Elisha said to King Joram, we have nothing in common. Go to your mother's prophets. And Joram said, no, we need to ask the Lord because the Lord summoned us. And now the Lord is going to hand us over to Moab, to Moab. And Elisha said, if I didn't have respect for Jehoshaphat of Judah, I would not even look at you. I would not even notice you existed. Now bring me a musician. While the musician played, the spirit of the Lord came to Elisha, which is apparently different from the spirit of the Lord that's always with Elisha, because now he's going to do some hardcore miracle strategizing. He told them, this is what the Lord says, dig ditch after ditch in this dry creek. For the Lord says, you won't see wind or rain, but the creek will be filled with water and you and your cattle and your horses will drink. This is easy for the Lord. Also, you'll beat Moab and then you need to completely destroy the cities of Moab. And in the early morning, water suddenly came flowing from the direction of Edom and filled the land. And everyone in Moab had heard that the kings of Israel, Judah and Edom had come to fight against them with armies. So everyone who could hold a weapon from the youngest to the oldest man were summoned and they stood at the border. Uh, and when they woke up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water that had come basically out of nowhere. And because they didn't know water was there and because it was red in the sunlight, they thought it was blood. They thought all the armies of Israel, Judah, and Edom had fought each other and killed each other in the night. And if those armies had been the bad guys in the story, that would be really plausible because that totally happens in stories. So the Moabites thought all the army was dead, and they went down to the camp to take any treasure that was in the tents. But then the Israelites just came out of their tents and attacked them, and they started destroying the city, and the king of Moab surrendered. And that's how they won. After that, Elisha just hung around doing some prophet stuff and kind of remixed the miracles of Elijah. You can hear about some of those in episode 6 from like several months ago back in October. 
But basically, um, his miracles were like supposed to be even cooler than Elijah's miracles, even though he didn't do anything like calling fire from heaven after humiliating a bunch of prophets. So in my opinion, it's up for debate. But one of my favorite miracles I haven't told is when Elisha was overseeing the building of a house. It was kind of like a log cabin. And um, they were all people that followed Elisha around and they wanted their own little house. And a man was chopping down a tree and the iron axe head fell off the handle and into the river. And the man said to Elisha, oh, my master, that axe was borrowed. And he showed Elisha where it had fallen in the river. And then Elisha cut a stick and threw it in that spot. And the iron axe head floated right up and they picked it up out of the water and the crisis was averted. Anyway, eventually Elisha died, unlike Elijah, and he'd been so powerful that one day his bones brought somebody back to life, according to the legends. And again, I told that story in episode six. But Elijah had never actually died, so some people still wait for him to come back from heaven. And in fact, in the New Testament, some people thought Jesus was Elijah who had finally returned. Anyway, those are most of the most famous adventures of Elijah and Elisha, two of the most powerful prophets in the Bible, as well as the misers, as well as the misadventures of King Ahab, the poutiest king I ever heard of. Next week, we'll be going back to the family of Abraham back in Genesis, so if you need a refresher or never listen to the episode, you might want to go back to the story of Hagar in episode 11 before next week's story, so you can kind of get the background on who Abraham is and where his son comes from and stuff. Thanks for listening to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, star child. <laughs>